Okay, this evening we're going to continue the word faith. Understand, volume two. Understand the various shades of meanings of the word faith as used in the Bible. Message number two, the word faith in the New Testament, I believe, part six. Is that correct? Amen. I will not talk about the Old Testament tonight because of time. Amen? So that we can gain some mileage. Of course, you know that, as we said before, simply all I can say now is that in the New Testament, there, is faith, there was faith everywhere. But in the noun form, the word faith, that's the noun form, was used only once. In the other places, the concept of faith was Practice and experience in the Old Testament was in the verb form, believe or to believe. And of, of course, you know the Hebrew, a man, from which we have a man, and the other Hebrew, a muna. And you know what they mean. Amen? They all give that idea of believing. That's simply what I can say about Old Testament. New Testament, on, in the New Testament, we've said that word has several shades of meaning. So in the Old Testament, the primary shades of meaning are like two. One is to confirm God's word, believing as a way of confirming God's word and uh, responding to it affirmatively. Amen? Hallelujah. By your attitude, your words, your action. When God speaks, you affirm it with your attitude, with your word, with your words, and action. That's you're saying amen to the word of God. That's your way of believing. You are accepting what God said, and you are propelled to go along with it. That's believing. Is that not true? Okay, another word for it in the Old Testament is emuna, which is faithfulness. That goes beyond believing. Every once in a while, or when you're challenged, to come into you yourself, living a constant life of believing. That's faithfulness. To such an extent that you learn to trust God on a regular basis. And God will also turn around to trust you. So you also learn and put yourself in a position that God can trust you. That's faithfulness. Are you all following? Amen. In the New Testament, this word has at least, at least four shades of meaning. And apart from that, both the noun form and the verb form are found in the pages of the New Testament. In the Gospels alone, especially in the book of John. You, you can't count how many times John speaks about belief. In the epistle, Gospel of John and the Epistles of John, and also the rest of the New Testament, the word believe is a heavily proliferative word in the New Testament, the word faith and belief. Praise the Lord. They now form faith, the verb form believe or to believe, all used. And so we have been looking at the various shades of meaning that this word is used in the New Testament. The first shade of meaning was what? Faith as a religious profession or vocation. Usually referred to as the faith. Amen? What was the second one? Faith as a what? A fruit of the spirit. And what is the appropriate word for it in that case? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. I, are, you, are you all following me? See, I make the people tell me, Pastor, you spend too much time reviewing. I know why I do that. Because I don't want you to forget things easily. I want to establish things. I don't, I'm not just talking. I want to establish these things in your mind. You 
can't walk out of here and act like you didn't hear what I said. That's why I emphasize. And you know why I emphasize? Because you're not just hearing for hearing. You're hearing to apply. Praise God. Well, you may not like the way I do it, but that's what God told me to do. <laughs> Praise God. So, faith as a fruit is most appropriately referred to as what? Faithfulness. And that faithfulness has two aspects to it. Huh? One aspect is that trustfulness, whereby you learn in your faith, in your exercise of faith, you make it a culture, you make it a lifestyle. You move from one's occasional exercise of faith into a lifestyle whereby you trust God on a regular basis. If you if anything wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're waking up with a mindset of trusting God for whatever is waking me up. You don't wait and say, oh, I'm sleeping now. When I wake up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, I will think whether I will believe this God for this or not. No, you're going beyond believing God for a house. Believe, no, you, you, you're going to the point that you're going to bed, you're going to sleep as a matter of faithfulness, of trustfulness. Are you following and it's for your good to go beyond waiting for a problem to trust God or to believe God. It's for your good. See, when you live a lifestyle of trusting God, when problems come, you don't go and do training for believing God for big things. No. You're on cruise control. Are you following? I want you to understand. You, every believer must grow beyond that regular faith when there's a need. Oh, I'm, I have a need for this. I have to believe God for this. Oh, exercise your faith for this. Thank God for that, which is what we're telling now. You must go beyond that. Huh? To a lifestyle of trustfulness towards God. And when you're in that mode, when big problem comes, you don't struggle to believe God for because you're already in the mood. I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Huh? Okay. The other side of faithfulness is that you live your life in such a way that both God and man can count you reliable. Depend on you. See, on one side, you are trusting God, count, counting God reliable and dependable. Huh? But the flip side of the coin is two sides of one coin. Faithfulness is one coin with two sides. The other side, first side we say is what? Trustfulness. Is that correct? And the other side is what? Trustworthiness. See, you're trustful towards God because he's trustworthy. Then God flips the coin. He wants to be trustful towards you because also you're trustworthy. But you don't become trustworthy overnight. You cultivate it because it's a fruit. He, God, by the Holy Spirit, sowed a seed of faithfulness in you, of trustworthiness in you. But it's your job to cultivate it. And guess who will get you to cultivate it the more? Men. <laughs> you know, you know the, some of the people that will challenge you in faithfulness are your children. You don't understand what I'm talking about. The baby, when she wants the breast milk, huh? does she want stories? You know why you have to come back from work on time? It's because the nanny has been trying to feed him or her with every other thing. He's looking for that breast milk. Is that correct? 
And by the time you come, you spend 15 minutes apologizing to him, looking him in the eye. Is that not true, mothers? I've seen you do that. Because when the baby cries, he wants the mother there. So they will challenge you. <laughs> in faithfulness. You're coming back from what? From oh, when we were growing up, when our mothers and grandmothers went to market, they know they have to buy some stuff. Uh, they know. There are things they know they must buy. Because especially if you're a grandmother, all the children are waiting for you. If they see you walk through that door. They gather. You better not have a story. <laughs> so the children, your children will teach you faithfulness. Do you, when you have children, do you have a choice whether you cook or not? Do you cook when it's uncomfortable for you? Even when you yourself are not hungry. What do you say to yourself? Especially mothers. You got to cook. Why do you have to cook? See, there's no house in the house. No food in the house. If it were you alone, you go and buy cookie and go to bed. But you can't tell that to a baby. So I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And God will leave men alone to teach you faithfulness. <laughs> and it starts from your house. Trustworthy. Children come back from school. They say, Mommy, I want to eat. Why? They expect that mommy has to have food. Years ago, if I call this little boy's name, you know him. He came back from church. On Sundays, when those days, we expect to eat rice every Sunday. So he came back from church. And he wanted his rice. He said this in my language. I, I can't say it to you. Otherwise, I, that's, you get the full meaning. And when he said he wanted the food, they said, okay, hold on. We're still cooking it. He said, it's still being cooked. <laughs> the English doesn't come out good. If you want it in my language, that's how he's, he said it. You come and see me after. <laughs> he said, it's still being cooked. Can I say it the way he said it? Uh -oh. <laughs> Is this still on fire? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? He's giving you notice next time. When I'm coming back from church, you should be on the table, not on fire. So the mother learned. <laughs> Say, oh, oh, Okadinoko. Is this still on the pot, on the fire, on the stove? Are, you, are we all learning? Are we all learning? God expects to see some of you in the sanctuary before anything happens. You don't stay home and say, have they come? Christians plan for meetings. Some people are home and say, who and who are there? Who are you counting on to be there? You're telling them that you're not faithful. You're waiting for the faithful ones to be there. So if God has to pass by, then he knows who to count to, to be there. You know that God counts on people. He counted on Abraham to intercede for Sodom. And Abraham was there. <laughs> he counted on Mary. Oh, you want to know how many people God counted on in the Bible? <laughs> That's a different lesson. Maybe we do that one day. And you will see God walk straight to your door. I say, uh oh, oh, are you counting on me too? 
All right. So we went to the third type of faith. What was that? Apprehending. Come on now, church. Apprehending and what? Appropriating faith, which is the commonest form of faith in the New Testament and in the whole Bible, and which is the faith, the kind of faith believers love the most. <laughs> now, I will tell you why. But don't, don't get stuck there. It is, uh, uh, you know, faith as a means, as a set of sense organs by which the soul apprehends and appropriates God and his grace. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Okay? I said it is the faith or a pair of spirit sense organ with which the soul apprehends God and all that God has for you. With which the soul apprehends invisible realities, invisible and inaudible things. And with which the soul apprehends spiritual things or spiritual realities. It is faith as a pair of sense, as a, a set of sense organs. Or a spiritual faculty that apprehends and ultimately appropriates. Amen? I said it's a spirit faculty or sense organ with which the soul apprehends and appropriates grace. Grace meaning God and all that he is and all that he has as well as other spiritual realities. And we talked about the word apprehend. We say to apprehend, listen to me, I use the word apprehend there. Another word for that is perceive. Are you all following? Okay. Perceive or apprehend. Or identify. Or discern. Or recognize. Pay attention. Or recognize. Or get to know or become aware. And envision or understand spiritual realities. What do I mean by spiritual realities? Things that are ordinarily not perceptible to physical senses. Faith is a set of senses by which you can apprehend them. And apprehend again includes such, uh, by apprehend we mean to perceive. Is that correct? What else do we mean by apprehend? To discern. What do we mean? To envision. What is another word? Uh, to identify. To what? Uh, not yet. That would be believing. Amen? To what's another word I used? Recognize. What's another word? Uh, identify or get to know things that he couldn't have known by the natural senses. Don't worry, you're going to see people who did that in the Bible, and after that you see them, you start doing the same thing. The best way to teach you something is to show you examples. Is that not correct? Amen. So that's what faith does, actually. That is the meaning and the function of faith. After faith apprehends, he hands over to belief to do what? Ah. To do what? Appropriate. 
please mark, mark this word. I don't want you to go out trying to feel, you know, nebulous things. You have to be definitive as Christians. So when you start talking, when you start acting, when you start relating, you're firm and you see results. You know, this is about getting to see results. Are you following? If God said believe him, you have to know how to, what that means. If God said to you, believe him, is he expecting you to get results? Well, I'm teaching you the means. Everything I'm teaching here, I've tested it, it works. Praise God. So to appropriate means when your faith apprehends, it gets its companion. What's the name of his companion? Believe. Involved. And believe appropriate. To appropriate means, listen to this, to appropriate something means to lay hold on that thing. In the sense we're using it. To lay hold on that thing and take that thing onto yourself. You want me to say that again? Can I say that again? Is it necessary? Okay, it is. To appropriate is to lay hold on something. And do what? Take possession of it onto yourself. You see, I'm standing, right? There are many chairs here. If I want to sit down, experience sitting down, what do I do? I appropriate one of these chairs. I lay hold on it, pull it onto myself, sit down, then I have the experience of sitting down. But if I don't do that, guess what I will do? I will keep standing. Are there chairs in the house? Yes. Have you ever told somebody, make yourself comfortable, take a seat. He's saying to the person, there's a seat available. Is that not correct? Oh, I see that's a seat. Well, you seem that a seat is not enough. If you want to sit down, you appropriate one of those seats. It means lay hold on it. So you can see something, you can hear something, but you didn't lay hold on them. The seeing and hearing is faith. The laying hold of, that's why I'm talking about receive, okay? And taking possession of, that's appropriation. That's how you receive. And you have manifestation and experience. So because this faith always, in the real sense, always ends up in belief and believing for it to be complete. I call it apprehending and appropriating faith. Did that make sense to you? Okay. So, what I think we should do today, and we say that every person has a measure of this faith. This is the faith that everybody has a measure of. Amen? The first one, faith as a religious profession, not everybody has the faith. That's what Paul says. That's why they, they like to kill those who have it. Amen? The second one, faithfulness. Not everybody has it. God does not expect unbelievers to be faithful. You didn't, you didn't hear what I'm saying. Does he ex- expect every believer to be faithful? Yes. yes. But not every believer has ex- ex- cultivated that to the level of God. There are little measures here and there. Sometimes we choose what we want to be faithful in. And some of them want, some of us are very faithful in eating. Come on, come on. Don't act like you didn't know. Can I suggest another thing? Sleeping, especially the snoring type. 
We are faithful. If you are not, let me show you, show, see you tomorrow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just kidding. All right? So, but this one is the one God has given to every man. Everyone has it. You know, you say including unbelievers, they have it. But problem with unbelievers is that they, they don't use it for the primary things for which it was given to them. Praise God. They use it for every other thing but to get to know the Lord and receive his grace. And if an unbeliever doesn't have it, no one could have been saved. Because when you got saved, you exercise that faith, not as a believer, but as an unbeliever. I, am, am I right? So, so let's look at scripture a little bit here, quickly. It's present in every soul. Turn with me to Romans 12. Romans 12. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Romans 12, verse 3. Let's see what it says. It says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of who? Himself. Why? Why shouldn't anybody think more highly of himself? Because everything that you have is of grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't qualify. God gave him to you, including God. He gave himself to you. He gave all that he has and all that he is to you. Is that correct? So don't think as if you are the one that earned those things or brought them, okay? More than he ought to think. But to think so as to have what? Sound what? Judgment. As God has what? Allotted to each what? A measure of faith. Every one of us has a measure of this gina or quality of faith. But do we have it in different measures? Yes. There are measures dependent on how much and how often we use it. Praise the Lord. I said hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Next, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. Verse 2. Quickly, please. Second Thessalonians verse 2. Let's start from 1. Amen. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Paul was asking that the word of the Lord will do what? Spread what? Rapidly. Ministry. Is that correct? And be what? Glorified. Just as it did also with you. He, he, he ministered to the Thessalonian Christians and they received. They were idol worshippers, but they received because they exercised so quick so much. Paul wrote them after and said, when I came to you and preached to you, you did not take the word I spoke to you as the word of man, but as the word of God, which is really what it is, which works what? Effectually in you. Who do what? Believe. So he commended them for their faith. He said to them now, Pray for us as we go to other places so that the word of God will also be glorified by those men and received by those men just as you people did. Are you following? Watch. What's he asking for? Protection. That we will be rescued from who? Perverse and who? Evil men. I think we read this scripture on Sunday. For not all men have faith. Now, this is where people say, oh, you see, not everybody has faith. No. 
But the faith he's talking about here is the faith. Being a believer. What he's saying there is that not everyone out there is a Christian. And because they don't, have, they don't have Christ in them and they don't have the spirit of Christ, they could kill somebody. Are you all following me? You see the difference? So somebody can confuse you and say, see here, I say not all men have faith. But the other way, he said, God has given faith to every, each man. Is that correct? You say, oh, the Bible is contradictory. The Bible is not contradictory. You have to understand. What happened is that in the original language, it, it will say, if you look, check the margin of your Bible, it will say, not all men have the faith. If you look at the margin, you see, there's a definitive article, they, there. So faith here is faith as a religious profession. You see, some, there are men out there who are perverse. Why are they perverse? They are not in Christ. So they're prone to do anything, abnormal things, crazy things, things that are contrary to God. Are you following? And they are there for what? Evil. So clearly he's not talking about believers. Are you all following? And what's his reason for using such strong words? For not all men have faith. Meaning not all men have believed in Jesus Christ and have received Christ. Not all men are in Christ. That's what he's saying there. But in the other passage, in Romans, what he's saying, that faith as an appropriating faculty has been given to each one. Is that clear? Now, here's what I'm going to do now. To, for you to be able to understand this type of faith whenever you find it in the New Testament. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you what God has given it for. What does it function? What is this function? What is it used for? Are you ready? One word I can say is that it is used to apprehend grace. Praise the Lord. It is used to do what? Apprehend grace. That's the big idea there. So what is the first grace? It is used to apprehend and appropriate grace. So what is the first grace? The first element of grace that I've told you over the years. What's the most important element of grace that anybody needs? Can anybody help me with that tonight? Huh? Uh, come on, think now, think. Because I say this in the last several month, few months, I've said this almost every Sunday morning. What is the most important aspect of grace that everybody needs? Mm -mm. Grace, grace. Believing is a way of receiving it. That package known as grace was the most important aspect. The first thing that you need out of that package. Mm -mm. No, I say this every Sunday. No. I say this every Sunday. No. What the, I've taught you that grace is a package, right? What is the most... No, no, no. The question is clear. What is the most important element in that package known as grace that everybody needs? The first one, the not second, number two, number one element, number one context of that. Huh? Mm -mm. Your clothes. Himself. God himself. But, uh, come on. You guys don't act as if you said it before. When I'm talking, I am clear. And when I'm teaching, listen to what I'm saying. It, it doesn't feel good. 
that after all this teaching, you don't seem to connect. I know you're connecting in many other areas. So what is the first thing you need out of grace? God himself. Is it clear to everybody now? If you don't accept God, you're not entitled to any other part of grace. I'm, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. And you know the level of grace I'm talking about now, not common grace. Because unbelievers receive common grace. Is that correct? But I'm talking to believers. What made you believers is that you accepted God. You apprehended and appropriated God. Is that not true? Okay. So let's see how this faith apprehends. So the first thing this faith for believers apprehends and uh, appropriates is who? God. Listen to me. Grace, our definition of grace here is God's offer of what? Himself. What else? All that he is and all that he has. Then all the other things you guys were talking about come into that. Are, are, you, are you following? Okay. So let's look at how people use this faith to apprehend and appropriate God. Amen? And that will help you also. Because I have had people ask me, does God exist? I say, yes. I say, how do I know? That's a very important question. The only way you can know, remember our definition of apprehension, then the only way you can lay, ho lay hold on God is by faith. Can you see God with your natural senses? Huh? So what, but, but God expects us to see him. So what is God asking of us? Use your faith. <laughs> Are you following? So how can we use our faith to see God? That's what I want to talk about. You know, when we send you to evangelism, this is one of the questions unbelievers will ask you. This God you people talk about, they'll ask you, have you seen him? Has anybody ever asked that, you that question? The truth is that with your physical senses, you can't see God. But if you have faith, you see God all the time. You relate with him all the time. You speak with him all the time. And when you tell an unbeliever, he thinks you're cuckoo. And don't blame him because he's not operating where you're operating. Am I, am I making sense to you? Yes. You come to work and you're singing to God as if God is standing by you. Don't believe I said, I don't understand this person. Don't blame them. They call your phone and you leave this sweet message about God. They say, These people talk about God all the time as if they're sitting with God. Have they seen God? They are right. You know why they are right? Because you're operating on a different, you're operating on a different frequency from them. They're in the flesh. Carnal, you're in the spirit. They're using all the time, 24-7, they're using their physical senses. But you're using the physical senses and also you have another set of senses known as faith. I, I, am I making sense to you? Okay, so let's look at what the Bible says about this quickly. Turn with me to, hallelujah. Turn with me to Exodus 33, 20. Exodus 33, 20, quickly. Let's see what it says. So, faith apprehends the divine person of God. 
this faith we are talking about, apprehending and appropriating faith. The first thing it apprehends is the divine person of God. Are you there? Exodus 23. But he said, you cannot see my face. Moses said, can I see you? He said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. That's in that place people can say the Bible is contradictory. It's not. Moses wanted to see him physically. He said, no, no man <laughs> can see my face. And if I allow him, you to see me, you will die. Praise God. But you want to us to know you and to walk with you. So how are we going to solve this problem? Does anybody follow? Eh? If we cannot see you with our physical senses and live, and then you, want, you say you are our father, you want us to relate with you. So how are we going to relate with you? What's the answer? Faith. Come with me to Hebrews 11 quickly. Let's see. Hebrews 11. Let's see. The Bible is not contradictory. It's not self-contradictory. It's when people are not taught, when people don't understand. And the best way to begin to understand is by believing in Jesus. Then you begin to understand. Go to verse 2. Oh, no, no, you go to verse 6. Verse 6. And without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? Please him. For he who comes to God must what? Believe. Meaning he must first apprehend him and be persuaded. Are you all following? Huh? That he does what he is. He exists. <laughs> and that he is a what? A rewarder relationship of those who do what? Seek him. You first see him and you're persuaded to say that he exists. You know, we, we, we do say that faith is blind. Faith is not really blind. That will shock you. Because when you grew up, they're telling you faith is blind. Faith is blind. Okay, let's modify that. Faith, I would rather say that the senses are blind. And, and, and that because of lack of understanding of scripture, people tell you faith is blind. Faith is blind. Faith is blind. Faith is really not blind. If you understand what we've been teaching about faith, there's a seeing and hearing in faith. Only that is not with the physical senses. Are you following? So with faith, you can see God. That's why you don't have struggle anymore thinking whether God exists or not. You know that? Why you don't know that millions of people out there have that struggle? The difference is that you have seen God by faith. But they are wondering, how did you do that? And the problem is that they don't want to come close to find out how that can be done. <laughs> I don't know. If you understand what I'm saying, lift your hands up. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's look at another scripture. Praise the Lord. Genesis 28. Genesis 28, quickly. Amen. Verse 16. Let's look at that quickly. We want to talk about seeing God tonight with faith. Verse 16. What did I say? 15 or 16? 16. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep when Jacob was running away. And he had to retire for the night somewhere, right? 
You know where he laid down, huh? You know what his pillow was? His pillow was a stone. <laughs> he laid down, he was running away from his brother after he took the birthright and the blessing. Then Jacob woke up from this place, from his sleep, and said, you know, he had a dream with a ladder, angels ascending and what? Descending. Is that correct? And he said, surely, listen to that, surely what? The Lord is where? In this place, and I did not what? Know it. Notice, uh, Jacob had moved from not knowing that the Lord was in that place to knowing. What made the transition possible? Faith. He showed up in a dry place. All that was there was stone. He took it commonly as a, a wilderness where those who are running away can lay down and sleep until he was put to sleep. If he was awake all day, he may not have seen it. When he saw God, are you following? He woke up and said, surely, that's an oath. God is where? In this place. And I did not know it. Why is he didn't know it? Because he was walking with his senses. Now that he has got to know it, what was he walking with? Faith. Do you know that you can have faith when you're sleeping? And that's not a license to come to church and sleep. <laughs> okay? Because in that, that one is that you're in the spirit and things are passing over your head. Okay? Don't give me that. Uh, pa Pastor, but you said you can be sleeping and have faith. No, I mean a sleep where the Lord can show up. Not where you show up in his house and you're sleeping. No, you're sleeping in his house and your house and he shows up. Okay? And that's not a license for prayerlessness. Are you following? You can have a word of knowledge in your sleep. That's what he had through a dream. Let's see the next verse. So, he was afraid and said, how what? Awesome is this place. Listen to the next line. This is none other than the house of God. You know what that is in Hebrew? Anybody knows? Bethel. You know, in English, people call it Bethel. It's Beth. Beth is house. El is Elohim. But in English, if you call it Bethel, they, they say you have an accent. No, did you understand what I'm saying? If you say Bethel, Bethel, they say that yeah, he's African. He's Asian. So how do they call it? It says Beth. That's not Hebrew. Hebrew is Bethel, and that's a hyphen. Like Michael, it's not really Michael. It's Mikael. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you see people call Michael, 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 they're destroying the name. And so Michael, if you call them Mikael, they may sue you. So I called him Michael, too. So I, at least I go home and... Uh, all, right, so all right, moving on. No, do, what do you call... Go back to verse 16 quickly. Oh, the time, you know, when, I, when this thing starts getting sweet, time starts flying. Is that true? Okay, let's go to verse 16. Verse 16 is faith. Okay? Let's look at the next verse. I see. Let's look at the neighbor. I'm testing you now, and I need a good answer. Let's look at the neighbor. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the what? Listen to that. The gate of what? Heaven. What do you call that verse? Appropriation. That's believing. 
because of what faith has shown him, he was persuaded. Now you're getting these things. He was persuaded to say what he said. And not only that, he named the place the house of God. He believed. Was that not a confession? Where did that confession come from? Faith. Persuading his heart. His attitude changed. He said, this is no ordinary place. When faith shows you something, that thing doesn't get ordinary anymore. Even believers, when you see believers, you begin to see them as not ordinary people. But us, we have, you say you have faith. You talk down on any believer. Pastor is nobody. You don't see Christ in anybody. House of God is soccer ball. You can come and take microphone and say whatever. Because you have no faith. You're not seeing Jesus. But the Bible says us that when you gather, he said, be careful because there are angels among you. If you believe that, you watch your conduct. You know, come on, am I saying the right thing? You don't just do anything you like because the Holy Ghost is in the house and the angels are there. They say, no, don't touch the person. Eh, he has to express his heart in. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for saying hallelujah finally on that one. If people understand what we are dealing with, the things of God are not held sacred anymore. The next thing they will blame America. They say America is democratic. America doesn't tell anybody to go against God. I told you what the bank manager told me, the bank president told me years ago when we were looking for this house. I said, why can't we? Do? He said, we don't give uh, loans to, to churches again. I said, why? I, had no, I wasn't ready for the answer. I wasn't ready. I said, why don't you give to banks? I was about to accuse him of discrimination. But I said, why? I was waiting for his answer. He said, you're a church, right? I said, yes. He said, would you, want, would you advise me to go against God? I said, how? He said, we don't want to foreclose on God, though, because that's war with God. A bank manager told me. I was on White Stone Bridge. I said, say that again. <laughs> he said, we don't give to bank. To church is because if they can't pay more now, you, 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 you swing them. You don't want to sue God. An unbeliever. I said I was on Whitestone Bridge. I said, ah. He said, yes, that's why we don't give. I had a member of my congregation who was doing something crazy and told the person he was working with is that this is his pastor's sin. He wants to take it. The unbeliever said to him, that's your pastor's sin. You want to take it? He said, are you crazy? He confessed to me after. I can't tell you the full story the way it happened. And when they ask, who has faith? They raise their hand. No, you've not seen God. <laughs> mm. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look, look at John chapter 4. John is an expert on this kind of faith. John chapter 4, quickly. 15, let's go fast. 15 to 19. The next two scriptures are very important. 15. There's a woman at the well. We're coming back to her a second time. Is that correct? 
the woman said to him, said to Jesus, he was having an encounter with Jesus, right? Huh? When Jesus showed up, all he saw was a Jewish human, a human Jewish male. That's what the woman saw. With her what? Physical senses. But as jungle kept maturing, <laughs> he who no no, come no. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. You know the discussion, right? So I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here. You know, initially they were arguing. The woman said, how can I say that you're a Jew? I'm a what? A Samaritan. And that's flesh, carnality. Have you noticed that? People show up and they want to know how many Nigerians in the church. How many Americans are there? It's flesh. How many Jamaicans? What kind of car is in their parking lot? I know people who go to church. The first size are the kind of car. Even though BMWs and Mercedes and Volvos there, they're not going there. Oh, no. If all they see is van, Toyota, and um, Dodge. Yes. That's canality. All right. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water you're talking about so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Next, he said to her, go call your husband and come here. Next, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have, you, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have, how many now? Six. Is not your husband. This you have said truly. Next, the woman said to him, sir, listen to this. I what? Perceive that you are a prophet. Did you see something different? Before that moment, what was the woman using on Jesus? Physical senses. At this moment, what is she now using? Faith. You know, immediately, racism ended. See, a lot of things Christians do is because they have no faith. Immediately, Jew Gentile went. Did you notice? If you go back and study that, there was a time the woman said, you're a Jew, I'm a, Gen I'm a, a Samaritan. And you Jews say this, we Samaritans believe that. Are you following? But from here now, things change. And you know why? Because Jesus exercised the gift of the Holy Spirit there. The woman says, sir, I what? Perceive you are a prophet. You're more than just man. You're, and the prophet is talking about here is not just a regular prophet. You're not just a Jew. I perceive you are a what? prophet. Next. Next. Continue. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. It's getting more theological now. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Huh? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming. I'm tempted to go into this. I won't. Neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. Samaritans. We, the Jews, we worship. If you want us to go into who is who, I'm ready. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Move on. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Next, the woman said to him, Look at faith again. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. Faith is, after Jesus started teaching, uh, the woman said, okay, this is more than a prophet. 
your faith grows. Are you following? Faith comes by what? He, had, he hasn't heard that kind of teaching before. No one has ever said, the hour is coming and now is. They have always said, the hour is coming. The prophets, that's what they said. But somebody more than the prophet said, now is, authoritatively. Look at what the woman said. Sir, I know that Messiah is coming. Maybe you are the one who is called Christ. When that one comes, he would declare what? All things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, when you are hungry, God will feed you. When he sees the direction of your faith, he will feed you. If that woman started doubting, Jesus will shut down. Next verse. At this point, his disciples came. They were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. You notice how God kept those disciples away? Now, item seven. You know what item seven is? Master, we brought the food. The Holy Spirit kept them away. No distraction. And they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Hey, that was a perfect state to accuse him of fornication. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or what do you speak with her? You notice that? Next. So the woman left her water pot. Did you see now? What's this face called now? There you go. Where have you been all evening? <laughs> Belief. He left her water pot and went into the city and said to them, what? Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ. Is he or is it? In other words, it looks like this is the Christ. I feel it's the Christ. You come and check for yourself. You know, when those people came there, and said, the woman didn't even tell us all the things you're saying now. They begged him to leave their village, but they are simple people. Belief. So you see, apprehending and what? Appropriating faith. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 6. John 6, 40. John 6.40, amen. John 6.40, come on, I want to get this on the tape. Verse 40, John chapter 6, verse 40. Hallelujah. Amen. I need a bigger amen. amen. For this is the will of my Father, Jesus was speaking, that everyone, listen to that, everyone who does what? Who beholds who? The Son and what? Believes in him will have what? Eternal life. And I, myself, will raise him up on the last day. Years ago, God showed me faith in that verse. You say, Pastor, where is faith in that verse? Does anybody see that, the faith there? I don't have more time. Don't, I want to get this. Anybody sees faith there? Give them verse 40. I don't want the excuses. You see faith there? Huh? Behold. That's the key word that talks about faith there. Now, look at what Jesus said. Huh? Who was speaking? Jesus. You know that name, Jesus, is the name of a man. Huh? So, the man, outwardly, a man, what does he say? This is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds what? He didn't say everyone, everyone who beholds, beholds Jesus. Did you notice that? Say anyone who beholds who? The son. The son is not a human being. The son is the heavenly second person of the Trinity. So what's Jesus saying? 
as I'm walking the streets of your towns and villages, what you see outwardly is a man known as Jesus of Nazareth. Huh? So when you see me with your physical senses, you say, that's Jesus of Nazareth. But anyone who has faith will see inside of me the heavenly son of God clothed in humanity. The day the Holy Spirit showed me this, I was jumped out of my bed. Are you, are you following what he's saying? So everyone that is born again, can I say this to you? It happens to me and I believe it happened to you. The moment the thing that made you be born again, that you saw Jesus, you began to see Jesus as not just an ordinary man. Outwardly, yes, Jesus is an ordinary man. But inwardly, he is God. And the Jews understand, if you say you are the son of God, that means you are God. <laughs> and it's not a son of God. It's the son of God. Everyone, how many people? Everyone who does what? Beholds. Behold with what? Their inner spiritual ears, eyes and ears. Who? The son. And does what? Did you notice that? Goes over to be persuaded to accept and receive him as the son of God. Will what? Have what? It's that immediately you see in Jesus or you hear in Jesus the person of God, immediately there's a suction inside of you that draws life from God. You have eternal life. And look at his vow. And anyone who does that, I will do what? Raise him up on the third day. Have you wondered why he asked his disciples one day? Say, let's stop here. Who do men think I am? Who were they talking about? They were mentioning names. Is that correct? They were mentioning, yeah, religious people, but those people were men. None of them is the son of God. None of them is the Messiah. After they finish, they mentioned Jeremiah, Elijah, Isaiah, everybody. Is that correct? But he said, okay, you, who do you think? Peter said, thou art the Messiah, the Christ. Hey! He said, flesh and blood is not with physical eyes. Now you saw this. But what happened? It has been what? revealed to you by my father. What is the means by which God reveals sin to people? Faith. And then he said, don't tell anybody. You know why he tells them not to tell anybody? Let people find out for themselves. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, have you noticed that he told them one day, I'm going to my father, Da, 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 da. And they kept asking him, okay, just show us the father. Stop talking this thing you're talking. Show us the father. And somebody said, where is the father? Oh, give me John 14. I know uh, it looks like we're almost out of faith, people are not. Give me John 14 so that you see it again. Uh, does anybody follow? So with faith, you apprehend the triune God, the very divine person of God. Remember, eyes cannot see him. But have, have these people been seeing him? Huh? Okay. Is the Bible contradictory? No. <laughs> when men can't handle the Bible, they say it's contradictory. If they don't want to say it's contradictory, they start adding their own opinion and changing it and then get into trouble. Are you in John 14? I, do, not let you, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe also. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Next verse. 
In my father's house are many dwelling places, mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Notice that. And you know the way where I'm going. <laughs> That's where trouble started. Thomas said, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. No. How do we get to no, know the way? You know what he's saying? He does, hasn't, the faith has not been quickened. He's trying to comprehend it with physical senses. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Thomas was settled. Next. If you had known me, look at that, you would have known my Father also. Did you notice that? If you had beheld in me the Son of God, then you would know the Father. It's because it's the same faith. Okay? From now on, you know him and have seen him. The guy was still struggling until his resurrection. Philip came in. Philip said to him, Lord, is this thing you and uh, Thomas have been talking? It's, it's getting on my head. My head is blowing. Show us the Father. And it is enough for us. This is your Bible study with Thomas. I'm getting confused. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me? What kind of knowing is, is he talking about? The knowing of faith. You've not come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me has what? Seen the father. Can you say show us the Father? You know why Philip was Philip was seeing him as a, a body, as a son of a carpenter, as a fellow Jew. Give me five. Give me uh, now. It's not five. It's a, is it, what do they call this one? A, a, a punch or whatever. Okay, a bump. Give me a bump, fellow Jew. Bump. Outwardly, yes, but inwardly is another person. The Father is in him. Am I making sense to you? Okay. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you notice that? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father, where? Abiding in me does his work. Now, you do not only see the Son in the outward human body, you also see the Father. Believe me, be persuaded, go forth, follow me, and keep saying to people and relating with me in your actions as one who is in the Father and the Father is in him. Otherwise, if you cannot handle that, when you see the kind of works that I do, because of the works they do. Only God can do the things Jesus did. Let me say this to you. In the time when Jesus was on earth, there were other people, miracle workers. But his own was on an extraordinary level. I will show you an example. Amen? Next verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than this, and so on and so forth. But do you understand what I mean with your faith? Why did Nicodemus come to him? He said, yes, Nicodemus 
was seeing this guy, but at some point he said, there is something different from other miracle workers. He came to him by night. He said, Master, I know you come from God. That's the Messiah. I see other miracle workers, but you're only. You know what he said next? No one does the kind of miracles you do except the Father is in him. For Jesus to help that faith more, he said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, if you want to see more, if you continue to believe in what I'm saying, then that second one now threw him apart. He used his message. He said, born again, okay, do I have to go back to my mother's womb? That, what, 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 what's speaking there? Natural senses. Are you following? But with inward, how many of you are born again here? How many of you went back to your mother's womb? Your mother wouldn't have let you go because your head is too big now. I'm telling you, I wouldn't, if I were a mother, I wouldn't let you come near me because your mother, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen, come on. And so, remember Isaiah, he went to the temple, you know, he, he saw the Lord, not with the physical senses, but with the spiritual senses. And the Lord spoke, he heard, not with the physical senses, but with the spiritual. And when he wanted to talk, he remembered that he has a filthy mouth based on what he saw. And you know what? He had been going to that temple. But he had been, another thing that will make your faith not to really activate is that when you're using it for something else. When did Isaiah go to, Isaiah go to that temple? What year? Anybody remember? The year Uzziah died because he was looking at Uzziah. Uzziah was the king. He was seeing him as the final, as the God himself. But the man was put aside. Then his eyes opened. Are you ready to pray tonight? Did you receive tonight? Can you behold God now? Huh? I like something, about, uh, I think Peter, uh, uh, one of the apostles said, he said, you have not seen him, but you love him. He's talking about Jesus. Meaning you've not seen him physically, but you love him. How did you get to love him? You can't love somebody you don't know, or you've not seen. But you've seen him with the eyes of faith, and you love him with that. But physically, you've not seen him. How many of you have seen Jesus physically? That's it. But do you love him? You must have seen him one way or the other. Come on. <laughs> and that way is my faith. If you love Jesus, stand to your feet. Woo! Mama, mama, kasha. Zamprokoriada. Come on. Just lift your hands up and let's, let's, let's bless him. Let's bless him.